Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Loft Church weekly podcast in Amarillo, Texas. Each week, we seek to challenge, encourage, equip, and empower you to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ through gospel-centered worship. Thanks for joining us, and we hope that you are blessed by today's message from lead pastor Matt Johnson. All right, Genesis chapter 9, you heard it read just a second ago. I'm going to go there. I'm going to read you the uh, last couple of verses of chapter 8 just to give us a run and start. I turned two pages. Okay, it says, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though, and this is why I'm reading it, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Just like I told you a second ago, the marriage conference ain't going to fix your marriage. It'll put a spotlight on it. God flooded the earth, killed maybe a billion people, still didn't fix the issue. We still see that the human heart, every inclination of it is evil from when we're just little. Let's go to chapter 9. It says, then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, and let's chat about that real quick. Why would God bless Noah and his sons? I mean, if we're just chatting over coffee, we could make a list, right? We could go, okay, uh, one of the reasons why he could bless Noah and his sons, because Noah was obedient for like 120 plus years, right? While he was building that boat, took a lot of faith. Remember, it had never rained. People are thinking he's crazy and he's still going forward. Yeah, maybe he's blessing him because of that. Or maybe it's because uh, after they get off the boat, remember what happened? The water had receded, and now the question is, now what do you do? You've been hanging out in this boat for a long time. Let's go slide down a mountain. Let's create a theme park. Let's find a place to live. That's not the first thing he did. The first thing that Noah does when he gets off the boat is he sees probably the devastation that's there. And when you see devastation, but you see what you've been spared from, it makes you thankful for what God's done for you. That, remember, that boat is a picture of salvation. We are in Christ Jesus. We have been saved by him. And when we see what God has done for us, it should lead us to the same place that did Noah, and that's to a place of worship. And that's exactly what he did first. So maybe that's why God's like, man, I'm going to bless him because of this. I don't think so. I'm not saying that is impossible, but at the end of the message, I'll just share with you what I think is the reason why God blessed Noah and his sons. And if you just think about it, he blessed humanity. There was only eight of them. The other thing I want you to see here, and I, I think is uh, just interesting, that God blessed Noah and his sons. One of the blessings of leading your family well is a lot of times you get to see the benefit in your family. We get to, saw, we to see that today. Think about what happened in some of the lives uh, uh, that led up to the moment that was here. I'm just thinking about uh, Lando and Ashley and what's happened in their life. And now it leads to a point where you're, you're, you're baptizing your little girl. It's amazing. It's special. It's one of those moments that you remember forever. They saw that somewhere. They desired that some, for some reason. And we know that the Bible tells us that we don't make the gospel look appealing by handing out candy and, and, and bounce, bouncing around a ball out here. We make the gospel look attractive by living out the gospel. And when they see what the gospel does, it transforms lives. It leads people to want to follow. Next part of that verse says, God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. I think it's interesting that when you just go back to the first part of Genesis, you know, we've been going through this already for a while now. And at the very beginning of Genesis, you see this language that's used, and this is creation language, church. 
going back to the beginning, be fruitful and multiply. And every time he says that in the beginning, he would say, hey, this is your blessing. Even to the animals, he would say, this is your blessing. And right here he says, okay, I'm blessing you, be fruitful and multiply. And for the most part, I think we've done a pretty good job at that. Do you know that in Noah's day, there was eight people left? Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, that's it. And so from the time of Noah to the time of right now, somewhere around 4,300 years is what is believed, right? About that long. We've gone from eight people to almost eight billion. That's a lot. I did some Google searching, and in 1975, that's when I was born. Some of you guys going, you're old. Oh, and some of you goes, you're really young. <laughs> it depends, all perspective, right? <laughs> and so uh, in 1975, when I was born, you know how many people were on the planet? Four billion. In 47 years, we've doubled. It's estimated by, 2020, uh, by 2050 that we'll be right around 10 billion, maybe just a little bit less, we're starting to slow the growth, even though we're still growing. I think technology and, and the luxuries of life has kept people from having kids. And so we got other things that take our attention. So it's still growing by year 20, uh, 2100. The estimated population of the planet will be somewhere around 13 billion people. That's a lot of people, isn't it? And so we're doing pretty good at it. Now, the way we mess it up, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, I wish I could, but I really can't, is we're still getting it out of order is we're still having babies before we get married. And when we do that, we know that we're setting some, uh, some expectations that just aren't right. And so man, if we just get the things right, in the right order, that's it. We're not gonna be perfect. We're gonna seek the Lord, we're gonna fall sometimes, but get the order right. Man, keep that for, for marriage. I'm just saying. I just think it's too easy for people to get out. And when they do, we see too many kids walking around without a dad. Another fun day at the Loft Church, just saying. All right, the next verse here, in verse two, it says, the fear and dread of you will fall on the beast of the earth. I got a story for you. My dad has uh, been dating a lady for uh, several months now. It's kind of weird even saying that, but my dad's been dating a lady for several months. And he goes over, her name's Leah. And he goes over to pick her up sometimes, going out to eat, to movies, they go dancing or whatever, you know. And so they're always going to do something. And so when my dad would first go over there, he met her, her vicious guard dog, and it, her vicious guard dog is named Mister. <laughs> uh, and Mister is tough. <laughs> Mister is a chihuahua. <laughs> and y'all have already heard my experiences with chihuahuas. I've been bit by a chihuahua. I'm scared of chihuahua, right? And so, uh, I, so I understand this whole deal. And so my dad goes over to her place to pick her up for a day, and, and guess what Mr. does? Mr. bites him. <laughs> and it isn't just once, over the course of time, it's been him several times. And so we live by the theory in our family, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, it was shame on me. So my dad got some uh, snake guards for his legs, right? Last week, I was telling you that my dad gets, has a bib, you know, like a bib for a baby, but it's big. And so he has that, but he also has snake guards for legs, for his legs. My dad has fashion to spare. I mean, and so he goes into the house, and guess what? Uh, mister goes up to bite him. Bam! It's like he tries to strike, and those snake guards hold up. One snake guard, zero, mister. Right? You got me? And so eventually, mister got tired of hitting on those snake guards, and my dad got to take them off because he no longer comes after him. Kind of weird, right? There was a time that animals didn't do that, though. Do you know there was a time that animals would never attack a human? Let me tell you another little story. 
I've told y'all this one before, but I was thinking about it with this text. Is when I used to travel around the Panhandle with uh, Arbological as a consulting arborist, I remember going to lots of ranches and stuff, and there were some amazing animals just out there that were just wild. It was crazy. One time I was outside of Stratford, and I was on this big ranch, and I'm talking to the customer, and I look over in their backyard, and I see uh, some animals there. And they're just in the backyard, and I'm like, man, nature's amazing. This is awesome. And so I, I'm talking to them, and then I, we get done talking, and I write up the job for them. I tell them what's going on with their trees. And when I get to the backyard, I go, they're still here. This is amazing. They're right there. And they weren't moving or anything. I guess they were scared of me. And then I finally get a little closer, and I find out why they weren't moving. It's because they weren't real. <laughs> yeah, they, they were just kind of like decoys or something, right? And um, that's not how animals are wired now. I'm not saying it never happens. We've domesticated some animals. Maybe some animals have been around humans enough that they'll come over to you. Like if you're in like a, a park or somewhere where there's always people around, they get used to you. But naturally speaking, animals run from people because they're scared of them. Why? How that happened? God did it. It's right here in verse two. It says the fear and dread of you talking about mankind will fall on the beasts of the earth. They're scared of us. Most of the time, if you see a big old animal, even though we're so scared, they run. You know, somebody says, this is a lie right here. Somebody says, that snake's more scared of you than you are yet. That's a lie, but it's still scared of you, right? <laughs> I'm scared of that snake. I don't want a snake. And so uh, God did this, and he says, and on all birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and all the fishies in the sea too, they are given into your hands. Now, right here, when God is finishing this scripture up right here, it is like he's resetting the order that he had talked about once before. Remember, he'd already said the pinnacle of his creation is mankind. We reign over the animals. And now he's setting it up even more. But now we know those animals are scared of us. But why, 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 are, they scared? why are they scared of us? I'll tell you why. It says right here, it says in verse 3, everything that lives and moves about will be your food, food for you. I think that'll do it. Just as I give you the green plants, I give, I now give you everything. It's believed before the flood that people didn't eat meat, just vegetarians. And some of you guys are like, thank you, Jesus, for the flood, right? <laughs> they were vegetarians. They weren't eating the creatures that were on the planet. And once this happened, God says, hey, you can eat them all. You think that caused any animosity between the animals? Of course it did. I think it's interesting that the animals that, that Noah would take care of on that boat, that he would get on there two by two and, and, and tend to that over a year on that boat, and he rescued them from what was going on, and now he is hunting them down. And we'll eat them. Now, if you're somebody in this room go, that's just wrong. God tells us to do that. You may not want to eat meat. You don't have to eat meat. But it's not wrong, it's God's design and God's plan. And so uh, if you're a vegetarian, then I guess you're just more, you're, you're strong in, in your convictions, but it's not because that's what God's saying to do. Because he's told us we can eat them. Now, he goes on from here, and it says in verse four, it says, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood in it. So why? Because blood is a source of life. And we see a pattern in the scripture of the value and respect of blood. We just see it through the scripture. 
When there's sacrifices made, we see certain things. When Jesus' blood was shed, we see certain things. We see how God values it. Now, this isn't uh, what God tells the Jews to do later on in Scripture, where they can't eat certain things. He's just saying, hey, don't eat the meat with the blood in it. What he's saying is you cook it because you're not going to be eating the blood. Now, he doesn't stop there. In verse 5, he says, and your lifeblood will surely demand an accounting. And I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Now, I'm going to slow down real quick and say this to you. Sometimes in the local church, I feel like the local church has crossed lines and they get too political. In this church, we have decided that we would see, rather see one more person hear the message from here and follow, from here and follow Jesus than a million more people follow an agenda politically. And so we don't talk about politics, but what we do do, that doesn't sound right, what we do <laughs> is we teach the word of God. And so when we come across something, we don't skip it, we teach it. What is happening right here, God is saying there should be accountability if someone takes a life. If it's an animal, they'll be accounted for, going to be taken care of. If it's a human being that takes the life of another human being, there should be accountability too. Now, what's going to be talked about in a second, I'll read it. It's God talking about capital punishment. When somebody takes a life, he says, a human beings will take their life too. He's not saying, look, I'll hold them accountable another way. He says, the human beings, saying that at some point there's going to be some government that takes place. And in the midst of that, somebody's going to take a life, and so, then their life's going to be taken. And that's God's word, not Matt's word. It's supposed to be a deterrent for murder. Now, most of the time, that's not how we handle these things anymore. And we also see that most of the time, we don't handle a lot of things like God said to do. And there's ramifications from that. And so when you hear something like capital punishment, I want you to know that's not red or blue. That's the Bible. And if you don't feel like that's very good, our feelings aren't what we go by. Because some of the things in the Bible are hard to digest. And the only way we can digest it is just to understand it, that he, his ways are higher than my ways. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I've got to stand on the word. Let me continue on. and I'm going to get the music up. We have a short message today, by the way. Probably thinking like, awesome. I'm going to read the next text. It says, whoever sheds human blood... By humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. That's God's design for people now, is to take care of human life because he values it. He values a life. And if somebody's going to take a life, then they should lose their life because God values a life. Now, with that said, why? Let me tell you a little story. 
I like to add this into every sermon until I don't have to, as I still live with my dad. <laughs> right? And you're gonna think this is really corny, and but I played this game with my kids. I started playing with my kids. I've never been a guy that plays games on my phone. And I guess it was just a little bit over a year ago, my boys would want me to play this certain game with them, and, and Elisa's kind of like harassing me too, like, just play it with them. They just something to do with the kids. Come on, Matt. And so I play, and I, play, I start playing this game with them. And anything I do, I go all the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, man. And so I play the game with them. And so I've been playing this game with them for a little bit over a year. And it's real corny, if, if you know what it is. It's Clash uh, Royale. You know what that is? Yeah, your life mate. Yeah, it's just, I'm telling you. It's fun. It's, it it kind of feels a competitive nature that I have, and I, I like to play it. Well, Thursday through Sunday, we do war. It gets cornier, doesn't it? <laughs> we do. It gets another clan over here. There's other groups we're playing against. Uh, some of you guys in the church play with us, and it's fun. Yeah, it's just fun stuff, right? And so uh, um, I'm trying to win, and so... Uh, I've, we've created a, an account on my dad's iPad because <laughs> we need another player and he don't play. <laughs> he's putting on the shin guards, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, so he's not going to play. And so I play that account. And so I get on there and I'll play the, the game. It only takes a few minutes uh, each one of those days. And so every week I, I go in on Thursday and I get his iPad and it's got a security code on it. I know it. <laughs> I'm his son. But I don't have to use it. I just pick up the iPad and I look at it in my face and it picks me up through facial recognition. If you wonder, I look just like my daddy. <laughs> Have you ever seen that happen where somebody can get your phone and it looks just like you so it opens up? I've never seen it before. It happens with me and my dad. We look alike. And so uh, I tell you that because I bear his image. The reason why God values life so much is because we bear his image. From the very beginning, this is how it was. Life, human life is the pinnacle of his creation, and we were, we were created to bear the image of God. Now, sometimes we get all twisted about it and go, well, what does that mean? Because do I look like God? I think I was a spirit. And it's like it's not a physical looking like. I'm not going to go, hey, I look like God. Open him his iPad. It didn't work. It's the characteristics of God is what we reflect. It's things like reason and uh, morality, and we're built to be relational. There's all kinds of things that, man, we are designed like God, like the creator. I always think that, you know, God is the creator, and we are not the creator, but we're creative because he created us. Those are the things that we represent, and because of that, he values every life because we bear his image. We got one more, uh, one more verse. You guys go ahead and stand, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you one more story, and we'll close. The last verse here is verse seven, and the last couple of weeks, I think we've gone like a chapter at a time, and we got seven verses today. So, y'all, next week we'll see how it goes. Verse 7 says, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth, and increase upon it. Keep saying it over and over again. It's important. And so with that said, here's what I told you at the beginning. I'm going to tell you why I think, why is it that God blessed Noah and his sons? 
Because we can look at it and go, well, because Noah and fill in the blank. Noah was faithful for 120 years because Noah was a, a man of faith. Because Noah was seen as righteous in his eyes. Because Noah built an altar. Maybe that's why, and I'm telling you, I don't think it has anything to do with it. If it has, if it has anything to do with Noah being good, we got to go back to the just one or two verses before that. It says every inclination of the human heart is, is just turned toward evil. The only people were there were them people. That includes them. And so our tendency is to go, man, God bless them because they are really good. That's not how this works. God blesses us not because we're good. He blesses us because he's good. And that's how it works. I'm not saying there's not favor in your life for honoring the Lord and being obedient. There is. But when it comes down to it, we're still not good. But he always is. Let me pray for us. Father, if we thank you for your love and your grace. God, you are good. And even though we still have that heart that is just bent towards sin and evil, and by your grace and mercy and by your spirit, you are transforming us. And you're sanctifying us from the inside out. Lord, Lord, we thank you for your patience with us and for loving us anyway. And Lord, I pray that we can do the same with others around us as we're reflecting your image, that we'll reflect that too. That we love people well. We show grace and mercy in ways that most people won't. God, we love you. We celebrate you this morning. Pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, if you enjoyed this message, there's a couple things we'd love you to do. Go to your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And don't forget, you can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website, www.theloft.church. Thanks again for joining us on The Loft Church's weekly podcast. Remember, it's not about you and me. It's about a Savior named Jesus. Go make him famous.